From Relay FM, this is Download, recorded Thursday, September the 6th, 2018. This is episode 70, Tennis and Excess. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. What a week this has been, because it was a holiday week. Not a lot went on, but still, there was stuff. There was stuff. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and I've been joined by two wonderful guests who are going to talk about the stuff that did happen after Labor Day. Co-host of the Accidental Tech Podcast and Analog here on Relay FM, And uh, I guess he's a YouTuber now. Uh, it's Mr. Casey on Cars himself. It's Casey Liss. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Uh, doing great. Doing great. It's. Uh, I'm glad that we could put this in the parking lot backing in oh of course oh god and also one of our very favorite guests carolina milanese consumer tech analyst at creative strategies is back hello hi there welcome back oh, we missed you it was it's been a it's been weeks it's, i know right <laughs> But uh, but it's good to have you back. Uh, lots of stuff uh, going on or about to go on, and uh, I think that's a key concept in how we picked the stories this week. Me and of course download producer Stephen Hackett. Hi Stephen. Hi Jason. Where will you be next Wednesday? Gonna be uh, watching the Apple Keynote uh, on my computer. Yeah, that that that's a good segue to say next Wednesday, Apple is unveiling its latest crop of iPhones, as well as some combination of new Apple Watches, maybe iPads, maybe Macs, maybe not. Depends on what rumors you read. Nine to five Mac got its hands on what appear to be marketing images of a set of new iPhone 10 style phones in a gold finish, as well as an Apple Watch with a larger display packed into the same size body. Thanks to reduced bezels around the OLED screen. Apple's also expected to ship an LCD iPhone complete with a notch and face ID, but at a lower price than this year's iPhone 10. And it's rumored to come in various colors, which is something that uh, the people at Download Headquarters approve of. Stephen Hackett and I nod. Yes, yes. Colors, colors. We want to see colors. So, please. Big story of, uh, of our time, I think, right now. This week in the tech world is waiting for Apple. And I, I you guys both, Casey and Carolina, are both observers, keen observers of Apple and what it's doing. And I wanted to just uh, check in with you about what you expect uh, and what you're looking forward to next week. Carolina, what about you? I'm going to start with what I look forward to yeah. uh, versus what to expect. Cause okay, that's, that's <laughs> nobody good. Nobody can fool me for wanting something that is never going to happen. That, that's good. <laughs> I, I, want, I want your hopes and dreams more than your predictions. We can get to predictions in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am excited about a lower price point um, iPhone simply because my 10-year-old has been bugging me for one and I'm not going to fork out $1,000 um, uh, in, in all seriousness. I think that getting the the portfolio um, with a lower price point, which is not going to be $300 people. So just in case someone is hoping that lower price point for Apple is uh, 300 bucks ain't, ain't going to be it. Uh, is going to be probably around 700-ish um, price point, but still cheaper than what you have right now in the market from them. I think it's nice to for them to be able to get older users to upgrade the 6 and the 5, the 5Ss, DSE people that have been holding on to these devices um, and get them to be able 
to take advantage of the new technologies and the services, especially that Apple is going to bring to the market. So that's that's a good thing that I am excited about. And I do expect that to happen. The other two things I'm really looking forward to, one is on iPad. And I know that there has been a bit of a debate if we're going to have an October event or not. And I think if we are and we're going to see iPad and Macs in October versus iPad and iPhones, that will say, but in itself, will say a lot about how Apple is thinking about these devices and where the iPad fits. Is it computer or is it a bigger iPhone kind of story? Um, but coming with more screen without increasing uh, the overall footprint of a device, I think is something I particularly look forward to because I don't like the 12.9 form factor because it's too big for me. Uh, but I would like to have as much screen uh, as the, t- the 12.9 on the 10.5, because why not? Um, so that's <laughs> one part. Uh, I have been begging for a better keyboard for as long as the iPad Pro has come out. Um, I don't want for party keyboard. I want an Apple keyboard that is better than... Um, uh, than what they have now, or if they can change their, uh, you know, their, their smart, uh, attach, uh, so I can use the surface keyboard on it. That will work too, because I love <laughs> a surface keyboard. Um, and then lastly on the watch, uh, I think the larger form factor, the larger screen without the phone getting bigger, uh, there are some people saying it's going to be even thinner than what we have today. I think that will be great. And if they are going to be using the new, uh, Gorilla Glass, um, for wearables that Corning has presented back in June that should also improve visibility in uh, uh, full sunlight and, and out in the open that with cellular, you're going to use more and more. So I I think that is my short list. It's not impossible, maybe apart from the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we discussed this on uh, episode 280 of ATP and I... I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what to expect. I mean, it seems like so much is, uh, it's so much is obvious, by the way, that's 290, not 280. I'm sorry. Um, so much of this seems obvious, right? Like all these leaks have indicated that there will be the iPhone 10 replacement, whatever that may be called, the big version of the iPhone 10 replacement, which I know Stephen and Mike Hurley are salivating over. And then this L- the LCD one, which I am very curious about. And one of the things I'm most curious about is how they present it. It seems to me pretty obvious that they would say, okay, we're going to move all the tech from the iPhone 10 down market in so many words and make it cheaper. And, you know, you're not going to get the fancy camera. You're not going to get the fancy screen, but you'll get face ID and all this other cool stuff. Um, and, and that seems to be an obvious presentation, but there's a lot of ways you could spin this, and I'm curious what they choose. And additionally, I was talking to you know Marco Arment on ATP about this, and he had pointed out that there is a lot of things, there are, there are a lot of things that could potentially be released this fall, and nobody really knows what's coming except Apple, but he rattled off a list of like, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 items that could all feasibly be released this fall. And, and I echo what Carolina was saying, you know, how is this going to shake out in terms of announcements? I almost find that to be more intriguing these days than the actual hardware. That being said, this uh, Apple Watch leak looks amazing, and I really don't want to have to buy another Apple Watch this year. But oh <laughs> god, it looks so good. Steven, I'm going to bring you in here too because I know you you carefully watch this stuff. What do you uh, What are you hoping for? 
Casey is definitely right. I want a iPhone 10, but bigger. I was a, a member of the plus club mm. and oh I miss that, that big screen. And, uh, you know, if, if the math all works out, it seems like the iPhone 10 plus for lack of a better name would be mm. physically about what the plus size is, uh, you know, has been, but with a lot more screen. And that seems like something that's, uh, pretty great. Um, so that that's really the top of my list, you know. Uh, the iPad stuff I could take or leave. I've got a, a ten point five inch iPad Pro that I don't use very much uh, unless something crazy happens. I don't see myself upgrading. Um, I kind of want a new Mac Mini. <laughs> my home server's dying, Good but I luck. think that's probably October. I don't think that's I don't think that's next week. But uh, someone's got to stand up for the Mac Mini people. So that I'll be their represent representation. Okay, all this talk about this uh, larger iPhone ten style thing that we that we expect is coming here. I have to ask all of you, what is with the name rumors that are out there? (laughs) The the strongest name rumor suggests that that large phone that Casey's intrigued by and that Stephen will buy is the iPhone XS Max, which is a... Like that is not a good name. That I'll, I'll, I'm going to start this conversation with that little tidbit, which is what is happening here. What do you think? It, it, are these? It, has Apple decided to have super complicated, weird names for their products? Are we going to get over it? Is it not that big a deal? What, I, I'm curious what you think about all these name rumors. If I go first, this sure. I'm just happy that it's not the iPad Max because the Pad Max doesn't sound. <laughs> <laughs> It's even worse. <laughs> but um, I'm surprised if I, if I really come out with this, uh, and I know people seem to be pretty sure about the name, with Google Home Max, you know, HTC had Max prod- products in the past. It's really not a novel idea. And I also, I understand it's a bigger phone. We, we established that. But why do we have to call it <laughs> something different? Um and the naming itself, I think Excess Max would actually sound better than Tennis Max. Right. Um, but of course, it's not the iPhone X, it's the iPhone 10. So yeah, unless they now tell us that we've been saying it wrong for the past uh, <laughs> Well, and year. also, let's be clear, it's a choice between Tennis and Excess, <laughs> neither of which is great. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's getting really complicated, and and all the vendors are think I think are, are suffering from this because you know we're getting close to the eleven number product, and then who wants an eleven, right? Up up to ten, you're okay, but eleven sounds a bit silly. Only Spinal Tap wants it to go to eleven. Oh, uh, Jason, the, yeah, it has to be said. It has to be said, Stephen. But yeah, no, you're right. I I fully expected that this would be like they'd be like, hey, the iPhone 10 has a new model and a larger iPhone 10 that you can also buy, and just say iPhone 10's the brand name for a while, right? Um, and then we'll we'll do a new iPhone name. But it's just like, no, it's going to be the 10s and the 10s Max and the and the nine maybe, or maybe it's the 10x Micro or no big but different. And I don't know. Casey, help me, help yeah. me. What is ha- what is happening here? I don't think I can help you because here's the thing. When I look at when I look at XS, and, and especially if there's not a space between them, but if I look at the letters X and S next to each other, my brain can't jump from translating X to ten, yeah. but not translating S. So yeah. I you know I can't go 
from XS to 10S. My brain just can't do it. And so maybe if there was a space there, it would be a little bit easier. And, and we don't see, nobody seems confident to know what the spacing nor capitalization of this will be. But I am not digging it. And I am of the opinion personally that it's probably about time, and I'm not the only one who feels this way. It's probably about time, and I think you said it a moment ago, Jason, that we should just say this is, you know, the iPhone 10. 2018 version or whatever, or, you know, or Mark two, or I don't know, series two or whatever the case may be. I feel like having different numerals is just kind of silly. I mean, when was it that, you know, Microsoft went from windows 95 to, you know, XP and then gave up on years and they went back to years and they gave up on years again. I feel like we're doing the same thing all over again and we're not learning lessons. Well, I'm not sure there were any lessons learned from Microsoft, but certainly we're not learning any of those lessons from the early two thousands. So it's interesting though, because you mentioned the dropping the number. And that's what Surface did with Surface Pro 5. And that didn't really work for them. Uh, there was confusion in the stores uh, because the 4 was still there and available. Oh, and there was very mm-hmm. little different in design. Obviously, here, that's not the case because you're going to go with a bigger form factor. But yeah, they were, they were commenting that that was hard for them, uh, mo- mostly from a store perspective that people just didn't know what they were looking Mm -hmm. at. Um, Yeah, so it's not easy. I don't think there's a simple solution. But yeah, I hate all and and God forbid you look at the PC world where they still have (laughs) one letter and seven numbers after them. right? Yeah, (laughs) that is actually that is a really good point. I just recently bought a Hewlett Packard printer and I don't remember the model name in front uh, off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines of the, you know, HP ColorSmart ABCDEFG 789654321. (laughs) I mean, you're exactly right that it could be much, much worse. Casey, it's the HP LaserJet Pro. M281FDW. What are oh, you talking you about? How could I forget? <laughs> How could I possibly forget? But your, your point is com- is completely fair. And yeah, it could be a heck of a lot worse. And don't even get me started on URLs on Apple.com versus any other website in the world. Uh, you know, because Apple gets that right, too. But I don't know. I'm just... I guess this is like the the greatest problem in the world to have, right? Like right. I, I, there's this really fancy pocket computer that can connect me to all of the information in the entire world, anywhere I'm standing. But you know what, guys and girls, I'm just not sure I love the name they're coming out with for it. Like things could be so much worse. I suppose that's true, but it is. I mean, I I, I will say this because I, I it is hard. I think if we get super baffling names next week, it's going to be because a lot of very well-compensated, knowledgeable people who work at Apple saw all of uh, all the issues you've described and others and said, we have to do it this way, right? Like, we know that these names are kind of bad, but because of the channel, because of the carrier stores, because of confusion about whether this is this year's model or last right. year's model, possibly because they want to keep selling last year's model at a discount, and therefore yeah. you can't keep the same name because you'd have to discontinue the old version because you probably wouldn't want to sell two different year models of the same model side by side. Side. Like there, there will be reasons for it, but um, boy, if the, if this is the set of names for these products, I think all of us are going to have to be have to acknowledge that they probably don't want it to sound like this, but they feel like they have to, or there's going to be yeah some other fallout. It's going to hurt sales, it, maybe in certain territories, maybe in certain channels, um, and I get all of that. But boy, they will have painted themselves in a corner if they are left with the iPhone XS Max, right? And, and it's interesting also because we are talking from the advantage point of discussing 
an English name to a product and then this needs to be translated into <laughs> right all the countries they're selling in and we've seen really bad stuff in the past I remember it was a blackberry Q uh, but Q in French is pronounced Q which also means bottom <laughs> if I use my English. So that didn't really work for them. <laughs> you know, it's, there, there, there are some things that when you start to, to just meaning, not just the pronunciation, but what it means in a different country, names get complicated very quickly. Oh boy. Well, okay. So we will be watching for new products. We will be watching for new names. There's a lot going on, uh, with the Apple stuff next week. And of course, we will be here next week to talk about it after the event, the day after the event. Um, more to talk about. I want to take a break first and tell you about one of our sponsors. This episode of Download is brought to you by Away, a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers who are making smart premium suitcases so your luggage doesn't cost more than your plane ticket. And what you need most while you're traveling is more battery. When you buy an Away suitcase, you can charge all your devices while you travel. Both sizes of their carry-on feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge, and they pop right out, too. Go to awaytravel.com com slash download now and browse away suitcases they feature premium german polycarbonate unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and still extremely lightweight they've got more than 10 colors they've got five different sizes including two adult carry-ons a kid's carry-on and a medium and a large and the best part is they cut out the middleman so you can get first class luggage at coach prices away suitcases have a patent pending compression system so if you're an overpacker like me you can squish all that stuff in there and it still fits they've got four 360 60 degree spinner wheels. Once you use the spinner wheels, you will never go back to the two wheel. Uh, luggage design of old. No, thank you. And there's a removable laundry bag, which we used on our trip to the UK. Uh, it was great to keep the, you got to sequester the stinky clothes from the from the clean clothes. And you can do that with that bag. So I really love it and travel with it. And we bought a second one, in fact, because we liked the first carry-on so much. Um, there's a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. They've got that 100-day trial, no questions asked return policy, free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S., so many reasons to give away a try. So go to awaytravel.com slash download. Use the code download at checkout. You'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash download and the code download for $20 off. Thank you to Away for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. All right. So a new Pew Research Center survey shows that many Americans have taken extended breaks from Facebook. And as many as one in four have removed Facebook's app from their smartphones. The Pew survey did not find a correlation between someone's political views and their willingness to take a break from Facebook. Members of both political parties have taken breaks with 42% of Americans saying they've stopped using Facebook for several weeks or more during the past year. However, there are some differences in age when it comes to how people are treating Facebook. 44% of users 18 to 29 say they deleted the app. Only 12% of users over the age of 65 have reported doing so. 54% of respondents reported they have increased their account security over the last year. 64% of younger users have changed their privacy settings, while only 30% over 65 have done so. So, Facebook, leaving Facebook, leaving other social media, I'm curious. I just want to check in with everybody. Uh, in You know, this could be a problem for Facebook, especially if young people are just removing the Facebook app. They don't want to talk to grandma anymore, I guess. So, uh, 
I want to go around and check with everybody here. What have we done? What are, how are we using Facebook and has that changed? Carolina, how, how have you changed, if at all, using Facebook? I actually started using Instagram more uh, hmm. because I realized that I share, and I think we discussed this um after the Cambridge Analytica, because we did right. a creative strategies, we did a survey right after the whole debacle to see what people were feeling and, and what. And the results were pretty aligned with the, the research that came out this week with people saying that not only they were going to uh, delete, but there were people saying that I will just engage less, which is even worse for Facebook, right? Because there's going to, they're going to be there, but they're not going to participate. They're not going to be active. So from a marketing perspective and advertising is, they're less valuable customers, but they're still there. Um, and personally, I said, I, I use it because my mom is in Italy and, and uh, that's a way for her to see what we get up to uh, on a more regular basis than once a year when she comes and visit. And I have friends all over the world. So it's nice to keep up. But I, I also feel that I post more pictures than I actually talk. And, and I don't know if it was the fear or not actually getting the citizenship, but I, you know, I was particularly quiet on anything that was political, <laughs> just in case they checked. Um, and so it, it, it's like, well, why not then use Instagram if pictures is what I'm posting the most? So that was my, my change. But I noticed from lurking versus being active that my feed is less busy, that people do post less. Uh, and I was particularly hurt for my birthday when I didn't get very many people saying happy birthday on the day. That was heartbreaking. Mm. <laughs> Not enough people clicked the button that said Carolina had a birthday That's today. Click right. a button to send her. This, the feeling of having your friends and acquaintances click a button on your birthday. What could be better? I did actually have more people texting me and calling me, which was really hmm. nice. And, Very nice. You know, and I think that's the, you know, the side effect of it. You know, if we are less on Facebook and go back to old-fashioned ways of actually talking to people. Imagine. Casey, uh, what, where, where are you on Facebook? So I've had a much healthier relationship with Facebook over the last few years, I'd say, than I did in the past. Um, I typically only lurk on Facebook. I'll very occasionally post. Typically, if I post to Facebook, it's only cross-posting from Instagram. Um, I don't feel like I've changed that dramatically over the last several months. I feel like, you know, I'll look at it once a day, once every other day, just to see what contacts that I don't perhaps uh, get to see in my other streams. Like, you know, these are not Twitter friends. They're not Instagram friends. They're just friends on Facebook. And so I'll look at it from time to time. Uh, that being said, I would like to concur with Carolina that I have used Instagram more and more over time because especially what with Twitter becoming an ever increasing inferno of a dumpster fire, um, I have found that Instagram is one of the places online that I can go that almost every single time I use it brings me genuine joy. And so I've been trying to follow more people. I've been trying to participate a little bit more on Instagram because it does balance out all of the other stuff I consume. Um, I've been flirting with the idea. I know we're not actively talking about Twitter, but I've been flirting with the idea of, of leaving Twitter. And I think Steven's <gasps> covered this quite, quite well, um, that that's never going to happen because that's where my audience is. And, and that's kind of self-involved to say, but it's also reality. And so I don't think I'll ever pull the trigger on that or certainly I shouldn't say never. 
whatever. But you know, I, sitting here now, I don't think I'll pull the trigger on it for again all the reasons that Stephen has very eloquently enumerated over the past. But I certainly don't feel any pulling need to look at Facebook any more than I do, and I don't look at it much. However, because Facebook is so diversified, you know, I don't use uh, what is it? What, is it WhatsApp that they have? Is that right? I think that's yes. right. Yeah. Okay. So I don't use WhatsApp, but again, I am deep in in Instagram, and and it's only getting worse. So I guess you win some, you lose some, right? Such a millennial, Casey. I know exactly. Stephen, <laughs> what about you? You're you're uh you 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 took Facebook away, like you 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 shut it down, right? I did. Yeah, I removed my account completely. So I had, you know. I'm I'm the perfect age to be a Facebook user. It came to my university when I was in school, when you had to have, you know, that coveted .edu email address. I remember the University of Tennessee got it before the University of Memphis, and some of us at Memphis were very upset about that, but it's in the past. (laughs) For me, uh, it was just a, a point where it wasn't adding anything to my existence as a human being besides stress. Uh, like Marco and Casey have said, like my, this is sort of gross, whatever, but like my audience for work is on Twitter and Facebook was really just people that I hadn't seen in a long time, all arguing about politics. And I just didn't want that in my life anymore. So I, I deleted my account, walked away from it. I don't know, maybe like three months ago, four months ago. And it's been really good. There are a couple people who, uh, I've gotten emails from like, oh, I've, I reached out to you a messenger and realized you weren't there anymore. It's like, yeah, I probably should have done a better job at like telling some people I was leaving, but it's totally fine without it. Now I do use Instagram. I do use Twitter. Uh, Twitter in particular, I've backed away from the last three or four weeks where I'm kind of in a mode right now, just using it for work, just like sharing things that I'm making or checking in with people. But I'm not using it for like the conversational stuff I used to do. I went through the step of deleting the vast majority of my Twitter history uh, just because I just I'm kind of at a point where I don't I just don't want it. I just don't want the the chaos that comes with it. And so I look at this research and it makes total sense to me because I think a lot of people or even though I'm outside of that young person bracket, which is like a really painful thing to read. I was like, oh, I'm used to being in, I'm not that bracket anymore. Get used to it. Yeah, <laughs> get used to it. It's not like it's worse. But I, 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 I sense that in, the, in my peer group, that people are tired of it. And right. I think people are really tired of like the politics and the fighting and Facebook is maybe just to a degree caught in the crossfire because Facebook is the medium that delivers all that stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, Facebook is sort of built for that sort of thing. And, uh, I don't, you know, I really don't miss, miss it. Um, so take that Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you showed him. Yeah. yeah, I, got, yeah I, I gotta, I gotta look at Instagram again. Hold on. I never, I never was that deep into Facebook actually. I, uh, to be honest, I, I, um, partially because I was, uh, I got into Twitter because I was using third party apps on the, on the Mac and there was never a third party app or even an app for Facebook on the Mac, right? It was always just a web page. You have an app on the iPhone, but never on the Mac. And for me, that was enough. Having to remember to go visit a website completely changes my relationship with the service. And I'm somebody who sits at my desk and works on my Mac most of the time. Uh So that's my primary social media check-in. And as a result, I also, even though I have the Facebook app on my iPhone, um, I rarely use it. I'm also using my iPad a lot, and the Facebook experience on the iPad is uh, lousy too. So 
uh, the, the experiences being out there have allowed me to just not really deeply engage. It's not like I'm not on it. It's not like I don't check in every now and then for some specific reasons, but I don't. I, I just don't check it regularly, and I feel glad now that I never really got into it because it's one less thing I need to try and extricate myself from. Um, like uh, all of you, I have an audience on Twitter. It is, I mean, it, it is one thing that I think Twitter is good at is twi- a Twitter experience where you're somebody who's got a large audience and you talk to them and they ask you questions or comment on it. That It does kind of function better for that than I think maybe if I was just somebody who was trying to connect with brands or whatever. <laughs> I would be like, why am I even on Twitter? But I, So I have a reason to stay on Twitter. That said, I unfollowed a bunch of people. I turned retweets off on a whole lot of people. Mm. And my Twitter experience has gotten better and I'm also using it less. Um, and so that is something that I did on the Twitter side. But for Facebook, I just feel fortunate that I, I never really got too deep into it um, to have to get back out of it. It's fascinating to hear you all talk about the engagement on Twitter because you're guys. And it's, mm. as a woman, you don't, and maybe I'm just boring, but it, it, there's just not <laughs> the same level of engagement. It's, it's super fascinating. Um, you know, people do engage base usually when there is engagement one or two back and forth there's no discussion um and it's there's i've been looking at this in in quite a bit of detail the the likes versus the retweets is different uh the ratio a lot of people like but don't retweet um interesting it's, it's quite fascinating there was a new york times article a few weeks ago that talked about uh, this from a reporter perspective that male reporters tend to retweet engage with male reporters way more than they do female reporters and and i have to say from an analyst point of view uh I find that to to be the case is is super fascinating. Well, also the the I mean, my Twitter experience is not without uh, really annoying people. I use the <laughs> control a lot, but women's experience on Twitter in general, you're going to get more um, negative. Uh, commentary from people that sort of a, seems like a universal thing with Twitter too yeah. so that, that changes the experience and, too. and it's the not... mansplaining is always interesting too it was funny last week for the Apple event that I tweeted like a zillion other people de-invite and said oh what can this be and I put some suggestion and I had a bunch of and all guys coming and say well that looks like the <laughs> Apple park and I was like no <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you bet your word for bottom. Yeah. Okay. Well, social media, it's, we have, we have more social media to talk about, believe it or not, but we've got a couple things to do before that, including me telling you about Squarespace, who is sponsoring this episode as well. Make your next move with Squarespace, where you can create a website for your next idea easily, super easy. You can get a unique domain. You can use their award winning templates. You can create, let's say, an online store to sell your stuff, a portfolio to show off your work, a blog to get your thoughts out there in some place that isn't social media. (laughs) Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. It lets you do all of those things. And the best part, there's nothing to install. There are no server patches, security patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Squarespace takes all all of that, takes care of all that in the background. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. They've got it covered. You just make your site and then put things on your site. That's it. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you need help, they will give it to you. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are 
beautifully designed. They will show off your great ideas. It'll look great. Plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash Download FM. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code Download FM. You'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and you'll show your support for this show. That's squarespace.com slash Download FM and the code Download FM to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Now, before we go to a little more social media, I want to tell you about the story you might have missed, something that may have flown under your radar, but is worth mentioning. And can a trillion-dollar company fly under your radar? Well, we'll see. Apple recently made headlines for being the first American company to hit and stay at the $1 trillion market cap milestone. But guess what? Amazon has joined them. According to the New York Times, Amazon captures 49 cents of every e-commerce dollar spent in the U.S. That's pretty good. Maybe worth being a trillion-dollar company. They generate $178 billion in annual revenue. This has made Jeff Bezos, Amazon's founder and CEO, worth nearly as much as Bill Gates and Warren Buffett put together. And he also owns a rocket company. So, yeah, what could be wrong with that? Uh, so congratulations, Amazon, for reaching a trillion dollars. There it is. We live, we live in an era of giants, giant, giant companies for sure. Um, okay, social media, I promised you a little more social media. Guess what, everybody? It was social media week on Capitol Hill <laughs> this week. Woo! Washington, D.C. Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook, Jack Dorsey from Twitter testified Wednesday before congressional panels. Uh, Google <laughs> offered to send a senior vice president and the committees are like, we want somebody more senior than that. And Google uh, was like, no, this is what you're going to get. And they're like, you don't get to come then. Uh, interesting. So Peter Kafka over at Recode did a really great recap of the day that I think you should read. We'll put it in the show notes. The short version is Kafka thinks they did pretty well, but Google not appearing reads like a bit of an unforced error that they should have been there to uh, control the conversation because it's really easy to beat up on the company that is not present. Um, the Senate hearings were pretty straightforward in the House. On the other hand, I want to just quote Peter Kafka here. It was a tedious exercise that stretched on for hours. There's a shot of late in the day at the committee room where there's like three people left on the committee even asking questions and everybody else is gone. They just left. So anyway, Republicans were asking repeatedly if there was a bias against them. Uh, Jack Dorsey said no. Democrats complained about Twitter's failure to kick abusive people off their platform, but also complained about the scope of the hearing itself. Uh, so in other words, complaining about the Republicans who run the committee. So that was fun. And lest we forget my favorite moment of this whole thing. Um, during a press gaggle, which is uh, a out-in-the-hallway conversation with reporters, um, Marco Rubio was talking, the senator from Florida, and Alex Jones himself was inserting himself in the conversation, shouting things about, including his website <laughs> name, just like as an ad. And then at one point, he uh, touched Marco Rubio on the shoulder, at which point Marco Rubio said that he would, uh, he would respond unpleasantly if he did that again. Alex, what did we talk about? Keep your hands to yourself. Bad touch. Bad. Anyway, <laughs> is the government going to do anything about social media and huge internet companies? Or is this just a sideshow in order to have some issues to talk about while campaigning for the next election? Uh, Casey, what do you think? 
So I have to, before I answer your question, I have to do a quick aside, which is the Alex Jones moment was scary, but kind of funny at the same time. (laughs) However, the response to a protester, and I don't recall the protester's name. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Laura Loomer. There we go. uh, uh, Protested. And apparently, I believe it was a, a representative from Missouri. I apologize if I have that wrong. But Billy Long, I guess in a past life, if you will, he was an auctioneer. So she stands up and starts shouting in the middle of this hearing. I and love he that. starts just auctioning something, which I think he later said he was jokingly auctioning off her phone because this protester was holding a phone filming it That's all. That's right. And and so he was just rattling off like it's just you just started an auction in the middle of this government hearing, which I thought was hilarious. So I will I will try to implore uh, <laughs> yeah. your fine host to put this in the show notes, but it was great. Carolina, you saw this as well? I did. I, it was Skills. <laughs> it was what? amazing. Officer, will you escort this young lady out? We're selling the cell phone there. Four and a quarter, four and a half. Hit four and a half, four and a half, four and a half, four and a quarter, five and a half. I yield back. Uh, nevertheless, to answer your question, is the government really going to do anything about this? Uh, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they try, but I don't think any government, but particularly the American government, is particularly well equipped to, to, to make less legislation about this sort of thing. I just don't think that most um, most people in, in government really understand what Facebook and Twitter are up against. That being said, some of these summaries that you've included in the show notes do indicate that they're starting to understand at least a little bit uh, that what what the technical challenges are of trying to be good citizens and pardon the pun in, in this you know digital world. But I think this was if I were to wager a guess, I would say this is between 60 and 80 percent grandstanding and and you know whatever the remaining is actually trying to get something done yeah it it was an interesting i only watched part of it um just because i was curious to see the difference between uh yesterday and zuckerberg's hearing and i thought the questions sounded more informed and intelligent but i thought also that they were so politically charged um, and they were just talking to their own agenda versus really looking at the product of a problem that we have for the problem's sake and not what they get out of it if they are able to change and regulate social media. Um, I particularly found fascinating the different body language between Sandberg and, and Jack because she was trying to relate, talking in a way that they would understand, including using, uh, she said somewhere she was explaining, no, we'll put everything, we'll put both opinions. And she actually said, and we put the alternative facts. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah. so she, you know, she was really talking about language. <laughs> um But, you know, leaning forward, smiling, it it was all there. And Jack looked as uncomfortable as Mark did when, you know, he he sat in the chair. 
and I don't know if what it is, if it's a, a you know female male thing or if just their personality or what it is, but you had the same thing, you know, Mark kept on saying, I'll have somebody get back to you and Jack waffles through most of the questions that were hard to follow. Um, but yeah, I, I felt it was more about politics than anything, anything else. And I totally agree with, with Jason about uh, Google not being there because I can't remember who it was. It was a Republican senator who basically um, was asking Jack and Sandberg um, about Google they made it sound like they are, you know, the the most important branch of the Chinese Communist Party now. Um, <laughs> you know, and so that line on questioning, you, you see what they're getting at. Like Casey said, I'm not sure our government is really equipped to deal with this. This uh, set of hearings didn't feel like there was this was this was much more about sort of like getting uh, getting politicians to ask pointed questions about a subject that's in the news more than it did like they're that they're seriously considering uh, legislation but i think that is the fear and we've seen several articles about it over the last few months the fear that um, we're at the point now where uh, the internet stuff that used to be like let's just keep our hands off the internet and let it grow has reached the point where governments are saying we're not going to uh, leave our hands off of it anymore. And that is that puts the fear into all these companies because it could seriously harm their business or their profits. Uh, and uh, they don't like that. But uh, but yeah, the I think Peter Kafka's idea that the uh, the House of Representatives committee was much more about posturing for sound bites for the election is probably accurate. I, I liked his optimism about the Senate hearings that they actually seemed better informed and that that was a good sign. Um, I want to talk a little bit more. We have one more topic, but before we do that, let me take another break for our third sponsor this week. Uh, this episode of Download is brought to you. Steven, it's that time. Mm, brought to you by ButcherBox. That's right. Meat is sponsoring the podcast again. They, ButcherBox is the folks who deliver thoroughly, thoughtfully, carefully sourced meat directly to your door in a box. That's why it's called Butcher Box. You can enjoy healthy, grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage-breed pork. Plus, Butcher Box meats come from humanely raised animals that are never fed antibiotics, hormones, or fatty fillers. Here's how it works. Each Butcher Box comes with between 8 and 11 pounds of meat, at least that much. It's a lot. That's 24 individual meals. There are five different box types, including a custom box where you choose exactly how much you need and what you and your family will love. Meat is frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum-packed biodegradable packaging and it's shipped for free with dry ice to make sure it stays frozen after it reaches your doorstep you can think of butcher box as your neighborhood butcher with their quality beef chicken and pork delivered right to your door and the option to choose how often you get deliveries there are also recipes on the website and even videos on the butcher box youtube channel now uh, my family got a butcher box box the meat was really great uh the dry ice is awesome because you can take what's left of the dry ice and put water over it and uh turn your whole kitchen into like a spooky Halloween mansion, <laughs> which is great. Um, the the but the meat was really good, and uh, I like the uh, vacuum seal uh, bags because I actually did some of it in a sous vide, um, and I didn't oh, need nice. to put it in a different bag. I just dropped in the little vacuum seal, um, made some great chicken thighs, made some great steaks, really good stuff. Um, t- you can get as a listener twenty dollars off your first box and two pounds of free ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription. Burgers for all or tacos, whatever. Go to bur- butcherbox.com/slash download and enter code 
Download. That's butcherbox.com slash download and code download couldn't be simpler and you'll get free ground beef and $20 off your first box. And if you're already a subscriber, you'll have a special deal on ground beef you can take advantage of by logging into your account. Thank you to ButcherBox for supporting download. And that brings us to our last topic, which is Evernote, the software company behind the popular note-taking application. It's in the news. TechCrunch reports Evernote lost its CTO, CFO, CPO, and HR head in the last month. That's a lot of C-level executives going to the bottom of the sea, apparently. The company boasts <laughs> 225 million users and a valuation of $1.2 billion, but is fundraising again. Reports say user growth has been flat, flat for many years. One source says the company is in a death spiral. Currently, the company is running a sale on its premium subscription, charging $42 a year as opposed to the regular price of $70. The pricing was lower until a massive uptick a couple of years ago as the company tried to grow its revenue. The move was blamed for an exodus of users to servers like Microsoft uh, services like Microsoft OneNote, Apple Notes, and Google Keep. Evernote also has taken flack for its privacy policy. When it came out, employees could access user data directly, a policy that has since been changed. So, anybody out there using Evernote, is it doomed? Is it getting killed by all these other apps that are doing more or less what it did and being part of the platform? Um, I'm, I'm curious if people have feelings or thoughts about Evernote. Carolina? What do you think? I don't have any feelings. Um, no feelings. I, no, not really. Um, I, I think is there are a casualty of the platforms, that like exactly yeah. like you're saying. You know, if if you're into an ecosystem, um, you know, you the service is there and you're using it and it's part of your workflow. And now, you know, I think they served a purpose when the platform did not offer that and when people were just dipping their toes into the cloud. Now that people have fully embraced the cloud, I think that that purpose is no longer, you know, needed to be fulfilled. And so um, I, I don't see them even at a lower price point. I, I just don't see why people would uh, would go there. You know, I was fairly big into Evernote as as just a repository. Like I didn't use any of the super advanced features, but I, I had a free account and, and I used it as my everything bucket for years. And it worked out really well. And then work chat happened and I started to get ever more annoyed. Uh, and then I, I feel like it was a couple of years ago. I forget exactly what it was. But when they started saying, look, the free accounts, you can only access them on one PC and one mobile device. And at that point, Evernote effectively became read only for me because I don't like being limited into where I can access my own data. Now, for sure, I could have paid for it. And you could make a very good argument that maybe I should have. But but it dramatically changed the thing that I had for free. And I didn't need any of the other advanced features that paying for it got me. So I basically treated it as read-only. And ever since then, that was around the same time that Notes, Apple Notes, got pretty good. Mm. And so I echo what Carolina said that, you know, I think platforming... Or, or the improvements of the platforms made this uh, was, was was strike one. Uh, that's a baseball reference, Jason. And then strike two, <laughs> strike two was uh, just them ruining the product. I feel like everything they touch starts great. 
and then just gets ever more frustrating. Like look at Skitch as well, which is a really, really great tool to quickly annotate screenshots. Oh man. And it was perfect when it first came out. It was fast, it was easy. And then Evernote bought them, if I'm not mistaken, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And actually just yesterday I thought to myself, you know, I haven't seen a Skitch update in a long time. I wonder if I if I need one, you know, because maybe it doesn't have, you know, Sparkle or one of the auto updaters or what have you. And for a fleeting moment, I went to look for a Skitch update, but then it occurred to me, no good will come of this, Casey. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> so don't touch it, leave it alone and be happy with what you have. Well, that's a good example where, you know, Skitch was really super useful for a long time, but now that functionality is built into iOS and that's right. With Mojave is going to be built into Mac OS and, and even Windows has other tools that do it. So it's like they they carved out ground years ago, but that ground has been taken out from underneath them as platforms get more mature. And they didn't give you more, right? While the right. platform caught up, they stayed the same. Right. I think of, I look at something like Slack where it's been very successful, but it's also like, and, and, and it's had platforms like Microsoft has definitely taken it on with a, a clone and there have been others. But so I think Slack's doing pretty well because Slack had the advantage of having a, a good product and a lot of momentum and a lot of reasons to keep using Slack. I know there are people out there who choose to use Slack for their businesses, even though they've got Microsoft's tools, right? Because they feel like Slack is better and better fit, fits their business. Evernote never really felt world-class to me. It always felt like it was a good idea that got there first. But once everybody saw that that was a good idea, they made tools that were just as good, basically, or better that came with whatever other product you were using. And that's a tough place to be, right? You need to take advantage of being first is great, right? But you also have to be really good, good enough that there's a barrier to people exiting your product for this free product that's somewhere else. And I, I don't think Evernote ever was good enough. Now, maybe big Evernote, Evernote fans will differ there. But when I was using Evernote the first few years it was out there, I was never impressed with the quality of the service. I was more like liking it because of what it did. You know, it's it's funny with Evernote because I feel like in some ways it's like Dropbox because Dropbox at its core is just files in other places, you know, like files mm. in the cloud. And Dropbox has done some things that have made me annoyed, but they've always been able to thread the needle in keeping the core functionality straightforward and in out of my way in the good sense. You know, it just kind of works and it doesn't ever get in my face. Whereas Evernote, by comparison, I feel like the core functionality, is, as all, all of you guys have said, has always been pretty good, if not great, but they were so obnoxious about getting in my face about all the things that they want me to upgrade to that I'm not interested in, that it really turned me off. And then notes getting good just put me right over the edge. All right. Um, this has been a good conversation. We're almost done. But before we go, I want to make everybody happy. We're going to stop talking about uh, dying companies and social uh, media things and talk about uh, happy things in the Fuzzy Puppy update. And here it is. Steven picked this one out. Steven got to be the Fuzzy Puppy researcher this week. I hope that was good for you, Steven. Did it make you feel good? I feel I feel relaxed. I saved these links right into Evernote, so I have them for later. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, here's the story. The New York Islanders, which are in the NHL, uh, hockey, ice hockey, for those who don't know what 
uh, the New York Islanders are, uh, they adopted a yellow lab puppy and asked its followers on Twitter uh, and its fans on the internet to help name it. The dog isn't destined to be some sort of airbud that plays hockey. Although I will say my uh, old dog was really a great goalie. Um, I would kick ice cubes across the floor and she would stop them with her paws and then eat them, which you're not supposed to do with a hockey puck. It's not a good idea. <laughs> um, anyway, this dog is going to spend the next 14 months learning socialization skills with the Islanders while being trained to aid a child who is blind or visually impaired in conjunction with the Guide Dog Foundation. This is awesome. This week, they unveiled his name. He will be called Radar. It is a tribute to a former coach in the uh, on the team. And uh, he, it's a very good name for a very good dog. Good dog, Radar. Uh, Steven, well done. Well fuzzied. You did it. Thank you. And uh, that brings us to the end. Casey Liss, where can people find the stuff that you do? Sure. You can find me on my website, which is CaseyList.com. On Twitter, uh, where I'm usually miserable, <laughs> it's C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. That's Casey Liss. Uh, uh-huh. You can find me on YouTube uh, as my name, Casey Liss. And you can find my podcast here on Relay FM, which is called Analog, which I do with my Curly. And additionally, you can find me on the Accidental Tech Podcast, which is at ATP.FM. Excellent. There's so much there. Uh, don't wow. find Casey on Facebook, though. Don't find him yeah, there. Don't even, He's look. Not there. don't even look. Don't even look. <laughs> Carolina, where can people find your stuff? I publish a Wednesday column on uh, creative, no, I'm not, on techpinions.com. That's the one. <laughs> uh, you do find me on creativestrategies.com as well. And I'm on Twitter at Caro underscore Milanesi, M-I-L-A-N-E-S-I. And you should follow her there and also retweet things she says that are good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. please. Thank you. Uh, all right, that is it for this week. Uh, Apple event next week, so there'll be a lot of conversation about that. We're into the teeth of big holiday launch product season. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, and until next week when we're back with all of that, we will just keep watching those headlines so you don't have to. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. 